Good morning. All right. Well, my name is Kevin Boyle. I'm the student ministry pastor here. Uh, excited to continue the series on parables. Uh, anyone want to guess what our parable is on? Um, so it's on the lost sheep. Uh, I am excited. I love this parable. This is when I got to look at the parables and they said, which one would you like? This is the first one I picked. Uh, I love this parable. And so before we dive into it, I want to start off by telling you a story. When I was 12, I got an opportunity to go with my family to England, Wales, and Ireland. And if you've never gone to over there, it's beautiful. I highly recommend it. I loved Wales and, and Ireland. It's like another level of green um, over there. Uh, it was explained to me, like, it doesn't rain there, but it spits, right? It just kind of spits at you. It mists. Um, but the grass, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, but we went because my maternal grandmother, uh, or my mom's mom, grew up in Wales. And so had relatives over in Wales and Ireland, and so it was an opportunity to go and meet them. And so we went over. And part of it, uh, we went to Ireland, and I met uh, my mom's cousin, Ian, which I believe is my second cousin, if I understand that correctly. And he's a shepherd. And so we, we drive into like the middle of nowhere, Ireland, and there's Ian kind of standing on this hill, and he's got three dogs with him. And so we get out of the car, and as we're walking to him, he whistles. I can't do it. Uh, some of you I know probably can whistle. I can't. But he lets out this whistle, and a dog just takes off, running down the hill. And we're kind of still walking, and he whistles again. The second dog goes, right? And then he's just kind of talking to us, not paying attention to what's going on. And probably 30 seconds to a minute, hundreds of sheep just start running up the hill. And they engulf us. They surround us. And to me, I grew up in the, the suburbs of Minnesota, and so rocking the suburbs like a suburban kid, I know nothing about livestock. Like, that was, that was really interesting to me. Like, I had no idea about sheep. Uh, and as, uh, as I went as a freshman at the University of Minnesota Duluth, my roommate was actually the national sheep judge uh, for 4-H. And so I was like, that's cool. Like, did you get a trophy? He's like, no, I got a belt buckle. I was like, sweet. <laughs> uh, but no, but talking about them, uh, about sheep, so I learned. And so there's kind of a stereotype that sheep are not very intelligent, which partially true, um, but actually sheep have a lot of emotional intelligence. They actually can tell who their shepherd is. They know they can recognize other sheep. And so they have, they're very intelligent socially, not so much in the survivor skills, okay? Um, and so there's actually a story that came out of Turkey where 1,500 sheep fell off a cliff while the shepherds were eating lunch in another field. And don't worry, though, only 400 perished because the 1,100 had a nice pillowy padding to land on. So only 11, only 400 died. Um, but some of you may have seen this video kind of going around uh, Facebook and so of a sheep getting pulled out and then immediately going in. So let's check this out. We see this about sheep all the time. All right, so sheep survival skills are not the greatest, okay? In fact, uh, most people, most shepherds would actually tell you if, the, if a sheep gets lost, it's doomed. It will not be able to survive. It has zero survival skills. It will not be able to find its way back. If it falls over, it can't get back up. It's like a turtle. 
Um, and so it will basically, it's doomed to predators or falling off a cliff. Um, and so as we talk about our parable, the lost sheep, as most people refer to it, the term that's actually used, the Greek term, is actually more used to describe to destroy or to perish. And so it is used over 60 times in that way. And so a lot of times Jesus is using this idea that this sheep, the lost one, is to perish if not found. And so in the same way that a sheep would be lost and basically be left to doom, that's what Jesus is talking about when he refers to the lost. And so as we dive into our scripture, as we kind of shear away, if you have it, um, there's only a couple of those, but stay tuned. Um, we're going to be in Luke 15. And so Luke 15, uh, verses 1 through 7, is our parable. And so it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so for a lot of you, this may be a very familiar story. Uh, however, I'm hoping to kind of fleece this out a little bit for you. I know that's really the only one that's intentional, okay? So if there, there's any more, I get no credit. Um, but I want to focus on the, verse, the first two, and this is the context that we find the parable uh, in. And it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay, so Jesus is sitting with tax collectors or sinners, which I'm going to unpack that a little bit later. Um, and so the Pharisees or the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders of the day, come and they complain and they grumble, right? And Jesus hears them. And so this isn't the first time Jesus encounters complaining. Uh, Pastor Nate, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, talked about the vineyard workers where it complained about the wages, right? So Jesus talks about that. Um, there's also, let me see, make sure I get my list correct. There's Simon and the sinful uh, woman who... Um, basically is crying at Jesus' feet, right? She washes his feet with her tears and in her hair, anoints him with oil, and, and Simon uh, complains about the sinful woman who's touching him. There's the Pharisee and the tax collector who's beating his chest, right? And so meanwhile, as the tax collector is just beating and saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, and then meanwhile the Pharisee's over here praying, saying, Guys, thank you so much that I'm not like that guy, right? And Jesus is kind of like, bro, what, do you, seriously? Like, you don't get the humility here? And so Jesus addresses that. And then we also have Jesus eats with Zacchaeus, right? He was a wee little man, climbs a sycamore tree. And Jesus says, I'm going to your house tonight. And then they complain, they grumble, right? Of, oh, why is he going to the tax collector's house? And then we have Levi, who we know as Matthew, wrote the Gospel of Matthew, his banquet 
of other tax collectors. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that in a little bit. And so when it comes to Jesus, I don't necessarily see him in here being kind of that grandpa Jesus, right, where he's like, oh, little sonny, let me tell you a good old story that's going to tickle your ears. It's a good one about Jesus' love for you. I don't see grandpa Jesus. In fact, I see Jesus being actually pretty frustrated. I see Jesus kind of being like, you're going to complain about the company that I keep? You're going to complain about the people who I choose to eat with? Let me tell you a story that is actually going to shut your mouth. Let me tell you a story about how you have failed at the job that God has given you. Let me tell you a story, as you are spiritual leaders, how you have failed and missed the mark. And so as you study the Old Testament, you will understand that when Jesus speaks, he pulls a lot of Old Testament references out. And so he judges the spiritual leaders. And that's one of the first points that I think you see, and maybe you don't necessarily, if you just read through Luke 15, Spiritual leaders will be judged. And he quotes, and he, we're going to look at Ezekiel 34 here in a second, where he unpacks this. And you need to understand, the religious leaders were trained in the law and the prophets. And so they would know Ezekiel, they would know Ezekiel 34, and they would also know that they are considered shepherds of the people. And so as we look at Ezekiel 34, see, see how the similarities and see how this would point directly at him. And so not only does Jesus use a parable that speaks about the character of God, which we'll get to, but he also corrects the Pharisees. And so I love that about Jesus. I love the genius of his teaching, of how he addresses and corrects the Pharisees, but yet still teaches about the character and the love of God. And so Ezekiel 34 says this, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, so that's, uh, that's Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, that is the spiritual leaders, those are the ones who God has put over and in charge of. And so throughout scripture, his people are referred to as his sheep. And those who are in leadership or some kind of influence over are referred to as shepherds. And so this is being written to the shepherds of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. The strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And so basically saying, the weak, the outcast, the marginalized, those among you who you've been placed over, you have not done your job as a leader of the people. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to tell me that I'm hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners? I'm hanging out with the people that are unclean? The very people that as shepherds of Israel you are to go after you are to lead them. You are to bring them back. You are to care for them. So you're going to complain about who I'm, who I'm sitting with, who I'm eating with? And then it continues in verse 7. It says this about the shepherds. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food, 
for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and they have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, and here it is. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. Spiritual leaders will be judged for how they lead their sheep. Right? Right there. That God's saying that I am against the shepherds. You did not take care of the people that I entrusted to you. And so this goes, and as a pastor, right? Pastor, that means shepherd. So I take this very seriously. That I am to shepherd those who God has entrusted under my care. Church leaders, but I would go even further to say, for all Christians who have influence over people spiritually, that we will be held accountable and given account for how we led and how we cared for the people that God has entrusted to us. There is good news. So it continues in verse 11, and it says this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, he has been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And so even in Ezekiel, we see the heart. And this is what the main parable, we've talked about through this series, that a parable is a simple story that shares a moral or spiritual teaching. And so the main point that Jesus is teaching through Luke is the heart and the character of God. And so as we go back to Luke 15, the main, I would say the main point is this, that God's heart is for the lost and not the 99. That God's heart is for the lost and not the 99. And as we unpack this, I want to clarify something. It, again, this is a parable, right? And so not every detail is to be scrutinized. And so it's not saying that God doesn't care for the 99. It doesn't even mean that God's not with the 99. I know in the parable, the shepherd leaves, but that's not the main point. That's, not, that's a small detail. God, we know, is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. God tells us that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy, so God is still with the 99. The point is communicating that God's heart is for those who are destined to perish or to be destroyed. That is the heart of Luke 15. And so as we go through, and I don't want to trample too much into Chase's message as he's going to be talking about the lost son. And so Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost or prodigal son, depending on how you know that one. But Luke is setting aside this whole chapter, communicating the heart and the character of God and showing us that he cares about the lost. And so I want to go back to Matthew Matthew 9, and so this is the banquet of Matthew, okay? So Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus calls him to be a disciple. He celebrates. He throws a banquet, and so in this, starting in verse 10, as Jesus reclined at the tables in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, 
Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a, of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so again, we find ourselves in a very similar situation as to Luke 15, right? Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners, and the, the Pharisees complain, why would he do this, right? Jesus goes in, he, uh, a very famous um, quote uh, saying that uh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then one thing that's interesting about Matthew and so this account is in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but only this line is in Matthew. And so this is Matthew's banquet, and Matthew includes this, and this is Jesus saying this, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And in this, Jesus is quoting Hosea. He's quoting Hosea 6.6. 6. And if you look at the word, mercy, it's basically the love that God has for us. Some of your translations may have compassion, it may have steadfast love, mercy, but it's basically talking about the love that God has for us. I desire mercy, I desire compassion, I desire love, not sacrifice. Or if you go to actual Hosea 6.6 6, or burnt offerings, not religious obligations. And so it's about the heart. God wants the heart. And so the Pharisees were really good at playing church. They were really good at doing the religious obligations. They were really good about doing the sacrifices, the hand washings, the rituals, the traditions. They knew what to say. They knew how to pray. They looked really good on the outside. And Jesus' response to them Learn what this means. I desire mercy. I desire love. I desire compassion. Because that is the heart of God. That is what God is seeking after. And the issue today with us in our church is a lot of times we focus on Team 99. Right? We want to be part of the 99ers. Right? Twice as good as the 49ers. Right? Right here, this is, this is our focus, right? We got 99, 99er bumper stickers. We got 99er shirts, right? We got 99er music. We do, our, we do our 99er functions. We want our kids to go and be around other 99ers, right? We want to live our life with other 99ers. And the thing about it, and I want you to be very clear, I'm not saying that Christian community is bad. In fact, I would say it's essential. But doing life, our church is full of life groups. And if you're not part of one, you should get in one because it's essential to walking. We're not meant to walk alone. We're meant to be part of a group of Christians. But when this is the focus, when our focus is what's going to keep 99 comfortable, what kind of music does the 99 want, what kind of preaching is going to make them complacent, happy, and, and content, we've missed the heart of God. That's the issue. We've missed the heart of God. 
And I would go as far as to say this. If you struggle to find or to think of someone in your life or your sphere of influence who is lost, who is far from God, who doesn't know God, then you've missed the mark. You have missed the mark as a Christian. You have messed up. And that needs to be addressed because you are missing the heart of God. And I know that this is kind of a heavy, heavy take on the lost sheep, which is all about God's love and, and heart, but I feel like we need to hear this, of understanding that God's heart is for people outside of the church. That that person that's hung over right now because he's partying, God's heart is for him. The lady who's at the gym right now because she doesn't want to, she likes to work out because all the Christians are at church, God's heart is for that person. Or the person who's far from God. Or maybe the person who's here because they got dragged along. Or maybe the person that's just here to network and to make some relationships. That's where God's heart is. And so, I love that we come here and we worship and we praise God and we celebrate and we hang out and we go to lunches afterwards. And those are great things. But getting back to the Matthew, he desires the love, he desires the heart condition of being aligned with God's heart. And so if those things are not aligned with God's heart, then we're missing it. Then we're missing it. Jesus was very clear about what his mission was. His mission in Luke 19.10, I have come to seek the lost and to save. I've come to seek and save the lost. That is Luke 19.10. That was Jesus' mission. Right? Pretty straight to the point. That is why Jesus came. And so if you are a Christ follower, if you claim to follow Christ, then you have been commissioned to carry on the mission of Jesus. You have been commissioned to follow after Jesus. Now, there is a huge difference. We're not out there to seek and to save the lost because we're not the one who saves. But we are out to seek and to bring those who are lost to Jesus. And I think it would be amazing. And I think part of what the church is called is if the 99, instead of hanging out over here in our team atmosphere, right, and doing our our team things and making it all about us, if we were to go after the lost. One of Jesus' final things that he said to the disciples, Matthew 28, is the Great Commission. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Go. Not hang out. Not hang out over here in your team, doing your team functions, team building, go. To go. And don't get me wrong, coming here to church, essential. We need to do it. But at the same time, if we're not going, we're missing the point. And so I want to give a chance for people who are going to take this serious, the commission. And so there's going to be prayer workers on the sides. In a second, we're going to close with a song. And I would love for you to go and to get prayed over. Because you're, you're going to be making a commitment before God of saying that I am committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. I am committed to going. 
And so in doing so, of standing up before God, not so I can see, not so the people around you can see, but that God is seeing that you are taking that step of commitment to him. And to go over, and there will be prayer workers on the sides to pray for you. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't actually share the heart of God in Luke 15. Because there's some of you here that may be lost, meaning that far from God, don't know God, maybe questioning God. And this is an incredible story of how Jesus pursues you. As we saw in Ezekiel 34, he says that I will find my sheep. I will seek my sheep. I will bring them back. And in John 10.10, Jesus tells us he is the good shepherd. He is fulfilling of Ezekiel 34. And so maybe you're here hearing this and saying that I don't know Jesus. I don't know this person who would go and rescue me. And not only that, in John 10, he says that the good shepherd will lay his life down for his sheep. And so you have the Pharisees who walk around like middle schoolers pointing at the, at the sinners, right? Which we're all sinners. We're all in need of repentance. And yet you have Jesus on the other side as the good shepherd who comes and lays down his life for those who cannot. And so if you are here and you haven't given your life to Jesus or you want to know more about Jesus, I would love for you to come find me or come to Connection Central to talk to a pastor. We would love to talk to you about that. And for the rest of you, as the the band is going to come on out and lead us in a song, Reckless Love, this is a song where we are praising the love of God, of how he will climb over hills, knock down walls for us. In our Western society, we look at ourselves, right? We love, and we love bringing that in and saying, yes, I love God for how he pursues me. But I want to challenge you to think through this, if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus, that we are to follow and to carry on the mission of Christ in the same way. And so as you sing this song and you hear the love that God has, the love that God desires from you, how we are to love the lost. And then to ask yourself, am I willing to love that way? Am I willing to go in the way that Christ went for us? I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll close with singing Reckless Love. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for these sheep that are here. And Lord, I pray that for those of us who know you, Lord, that we can take serious the great commission of going and carrying on your mission to seek and to save the lost, that we can bring the lost to you. Lord, and if one of someone out there listening or watching online is, is feeling far from you, Lord, to never know that, you are, that they are never outside of your love, doesn't matter how far away, you will find them and offer the gift of salvation. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We know without you, we are not worthy to be in your presence. We're not worthy to be brought back. 
that we can't save ourselves. We are like sheep without the good shepherd. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.